Well, isn't it great to have the choir back today? And the orchestra, I mean, we have this full, just this fullness of sound up here. Thank you so much, so, so much. Well, Marvin, you didn't tell us, yes. Marvin, you didn't tell us what the instructor said back. Yeah, I think he's still laughing. <laughs> well, um, there's a lot going on in the world today, right? Well, it seems like we're just recovering from Harvey in the Houston area, and now Irma has hit shore, and I believe um, I read as I was coming in to worship that it has made its way across the Keys, and it's headed toward all straight up Florida. Uh, we pray for our own community who have uh, family and friends and some who are living down in Florida part of the time. Uh, we pray for safety for them, and we hear that Jose, the next... Hurricane behind that is trailing close behind. And with all of this going on, Joe said to me yesterday as we were headed to an event, he said, are you going to mention 9-11? <laughs> and I thought I hadn't even thought of it. With all of the things that were happening now, with all of the natural disasters with Harvey and Irma and Jose and the earthquake in Mexico and the tidal wave, all those things that were happening, I hadn't even thought that tomorrow marks 16 years. 16 years when the towers fell. With a lot going on in the world, God is giving us wonderful opportunities to show God's love. For such a time as this, the scripture says, that we could be a, a beacon of light in darkness, that we can be God's love, God's hands and feet in times of need. And so we need to remember that, that when the storms come, and they will come, that Christ is in the midst of us and calls us to respond. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy and loving God, I ask that you help me to step over to the side that your love and light might be revealed. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. We pray for the people who are in harm's way right now. We pray for safety. We pray for the rescuers, for a hedge of protection to be all around them as they step into floodwaters, as they step into dangerous calls and journeys. We pray for your protection to be upon them. We thank you for their service. Be with your people, O oh God. Let them hear your voice. Let them experience your love and grace and help us to stand in the gap to stand in for, with your love and your words of hope in times of trouble. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in this series, uh, you know, when Joe was building a bridge down there, you know, I could think of all the times that he's played with the blocks with our kids, and just for you to know, I told him to stick with the script. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, I love it when he does. It's children's time. The kids love it, and I love to hear him tell the stories. But we're in this series called Building Bridges. What does that mean, Building Bridges? We're talking about how we give of ourselves. It's really a stewardship and a sharing of faith kind of conversation over the next few weeks. How do we live in that life? How do we give of ourselves to build bridges of love to others? Last week we talked about how Paul puts it in the translation in the message. He says, we're called to take our everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That everything in us, everything, our decisions all about our days are, should, be, should be cored in and, and in Christ. So for those of us who claim our identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we only have really one job, and that is to love God and love our neighbor. To love each other as God first loved us, right? Our life is centered on God's love, and our actions will follow. Every day we have opportunities to be light in the darkness. I quoted St. Francis of Assisi last week. Do you remember what I said? He, that he said, preach the gospel at all times, and how did he say that? Use words. That's right. Use words when necessary. Well, words are necessary though, right? In sharing faith, eventually, right? Aren't they necessary? I mean, we are to live the gospel. We are, our actions are to proclaim the gospel, but, but there's also a time in which we do need to speak. Being a witness in God's love and sharing faith is why we're here. If not, why doesn't God just take us on up to heaven when we've accepted that love gift? He gives us a job, that's why. To be able to share words of hope and faith to others. To speak words of salvation. I was with a colleague this past week. One of my calls of uh, serving in our conference is that I love to work with uh, pastors that are going to be ordained. And there's a group in residency that we go through residency just like doctors go, but not as many years. And... Uh, and so I got to sit with a group this last week and we talked through theology and one of my colleagues said that he hates it when the question is asked, are you saved? I was like, okay, say more about that. Are you saved? He said, I think the question should be something like, have you accepted the gift of saving grace? And I thought, he is spot on. Because saved happened on the cross, didn't it? We're all saved. The gift is offered to us. All we have to do is accept it. This gift of saving grace. But we can't just dive right off into the question, have you accepted the gift of Jesus Christ? Can we? That scares people, right? Somebody walks straight up to Marvin and say, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Marvin, I'm sure, would have a good answer for them. <laughs> but that scares people, doesn't it? 
I, I think back to a time Joe and I had just gotten married. We were on a trip. I'm not, I can't remember if it was our honeymoon, coming back from a honeymoon or not, but there was a hotel that had a hot tub, and we were, you know, young and went swimming for a while, got into the hot tub. There were some people in the hot tub, a few spots left to sit down, and once we sat down, the gentleman across the hot tub looked at me and said, do you know Jesus? Felt like coming right back out of that hot tub. Scared me a little bit. They were missionaries and we got to hear their story and Joe and I said, yes, we know Jesus. Real quick. <laughs> we got to hear a little bit of their story and their travels and that kind of thing. But it's, it kind of scares people. So there's a lot that has to happen first before that question can come into conversation of have you accepted? Do you know Christ? Do you know God's love? A lot has got to take place before those questions can happen. For you business people out there, you wouldn't just jump off into a multi-million dollar deal without doing some legwork first, right? You'd have a vision, and then you'd have a plan. Well, that's the same with sharing faith. We know what the vision is. It's to, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ to expand the kingdom of God. But how do we get there? Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a plan in sharing faith. It was through relationship. In this letter to the church in Colossae, he writes prayers and thanksgiving for a community that has gotten to know the love of Christ through a certain man, Epaphras. Without Epaphras, they would not know the depth and the love of Christ. Now then, I like the way that Paul expresses the work of God in our lives in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He says, God rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He set us free through the son and forgave our sins. That is the work of the disciple right there, to make the good news known, to win a hearing for the good news, to demonstrate its power and to share the hope, the transformational hope found in Jesus Christ. Bill Hybels uh, the, uh, wrote a book that I'm reading right now entitled Just Walk Across the Room. And in this book, he tells a story of a conversation he had with one of his seminary professors. He calls him Dr. B because Dr. B had a name you could not pronounce. And so he talks about this conversation. He said Dr. B reminded him of the expectation Jesus had for those who follow him. He goes further to, tell, to say this. He says this to Bill. He says, true followers of Christ who really get it right give themselves to people. Think about that. True followers of Christ who really get it right give themselves to people. He goes further to tell Hybels what that means. He says, if you really believe in the redeeming and transforming power of God's presence in a person's life, then the single greatest gift you can give someone is to explain to them how they can be connected to that saving grace, how they can be con connected to the love of God. So in other words, he's saying our job is to build a bridge of love to someone else. To build a bridge of love. Now, every bridge has its foundations, right? Foundations are important. 
Uh, Joe and I had the opportunity to meet Ken Burns last night. It was a highlight to, to get to talk with him. The very first uh, film that he ever put together was on the Brooklyn Bridge. And the Brooklyn Bridge, it took a long time to build the foundation. In fact, so long that people didn't know that there was work taking place. And so this Brooklyn Bridge remains a major transportation artery because 135 years ago, the chief engineer and his construction team did their most patient and daring work where no one could see it, under the waterline. You're building a foundation when you tune in to your own spiritual life and you build that love of God in you, open the scriptures, search the scriptures, study, pray, worship, right? You're building that own foundation, but you're also building a foundation in how you relate that to someone else. It doesn't just come right off into a question. It starts with friendship first. It starts with building a relationship with someone else and helping them get to know you and you getting to know someone else. There are three D's in building a bridge of love. They're on your insert in your bulletin. Develop friendships, discover stories, and discern the next steps. Developing friendships, engaging in the life of people around you. You interact with people every day of your life, right? You go to the grocery store, gas station, coworkers, neighbors, teammates. You might go to the soccer field or the baseball diamond with children or grandchildren. Golf course, nail salon, hair salon, choir, orchestra. You're in recording studios, you're in with other students and coworkers and colleagues, right? You interact with people every single day. But sometimes that first step in developing a friendship is the hardest, right? How do I get to know that person? How do I really get to know who they are, what they're about, what they enjoy, their commonalities? Sometimes that first step is so hard because our human nature is, oh, I don't know if they'll think I'm butting in or getting into their business or being nosy, right? Ask a question. Ask a question. I have a, a, a hair salon guy that I've been friends with now for about five years. I'm going to see him soon. And, and so, you know, I've been talking with him over the years, and I've, he knows what I do. I venture into, but I get to know who he is. I ask lots of questions about his niece. I ask about his dog. I ask questions. You know, they're important. They mean you care. And open-ended questions are the best questions. You don't want to ask somebody something that they can say yes or no to and walk away, right? Tell me about something. Say, for instance, that you see somebody on the practice field uh, that you go to quite often with your grandchild, and you see some, that person over and over again, and you see that they're reading a book. Great opportunity. What book are you reading? They'll tell you. Tell me what it's about. They'll tell you. What other books on your shelf are just dying to be read that you've piled up in your 
got to going to read next? You know, questions that help you kind of get to know their passions and what they're about. On the back of your insert, I've given you some questions from a book, The Complete Book of Questions by Gary Poole. He has all kinds of questions that you can ask people to get to know them, and then he moves into the deeper questions of faith of how you might be able to do that. We were uh, talking around, we were putting these in the bulletin this morning, and that first question, what's one of your nicknames? Mary, Joe, and I, we spent five minutes at least talking about this alone. I mean, it's just conversation starters. Mary, what was yours? Crazy Mary. Crazy Mary. <laughs> no. I, she, Mare Mare was some. Crazy Mary was college, right? Things like that, yeah. And so we had fun talking about it. These are These are conversation starters. So... But in order to do this, you have to be a good listener, church. You have to put the cell phone away. You have to make eye contact. You have to, they need to see you care, that you really want to get to know them and talk about the things that matter to them. Then as that friendship develops, you will discover the stories. Oh, they're so important. The the stories are the most powerful part of a friendship. And how you share those stories is so important. Uh, Tony Campolo says, storytelling is not only an art, but a spiritual practice for those who want to tell stories for the glory of God. And now I love Tony's stories. He can tell the most wonderful stories about how he's connected life and faith. Stories are powerful. Now, the Apostle Paul certainly had a story, didn't he? And I, you know, I was reading this and studying, and as Marvin said, when you read the scriptures, you open it up and you, and you start to read something different each time. Something new is revealed to you. And, and as I was praying and thinking about this, Epaphras came to the surface. I can imagine how that friendship with Epaphras started with Paul. It doesn't tell us does it? But I can imagine that, that they had commonality, that they started a friendship, that they started to talk about things, and then the time was right for Paul to share how a man named Saul, who was a Pharisee, who was a killer of Christians, was changed by the love of Christ and became Paul, the apostle. Think how powerful that story how that story changed Epaphras. Sometimes a relationship will take a little longer to build. Sometimes it will be a short time. But the focus needs to be on building the relationship. You know, you can trace usually someone's salvation experience, the time in which they understood God's love in a greater way, Back to a conversation, usually. A conversation with a parent or um, a grandparent or a neighbor or a coworker, some conversation that helped you understand how much God loves you. So much so that you wanted to change your life. Can you think of a conversation in your past? I think there's a misconception today that people don't want to hear about faith. 
Research shows that they do when they know you, when they trust you. Look at that statistic on your insert. If a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. 79% agree with that. So research shows that they do want to hear your stories. They do want to hear how your life's been changed, why you live the way you live. You know, for me, it seems a little bit easier just because I'm a woman pastor and people ask me about that. You know, what does it mean to be a woman pastor? Or tell me about how you got here and that kind of thing. And so I get to tell my story quite often about how I learned the love of God behind an old coal stove from my granny and how I tried to run away from God's call for a long time and how I struggled and wandered through the wilderness. I get to tell that story often. God's given us a story. Each one of you have a story. And he's going to put someone in your path that that story's meant for. Right? Timing, how you do that, it's important. Say, for instance, you have a college student that goes away and goes away from the church even though they've grown up in the church and known the love of God. And, and when they come back into their life of marriage and things like that, they still don't really get back into college and, or back into faith in church. And, and they share that with someone. And the story you might have might be some experience that you can relate with this person and share with them how that happened with you and how you could get back into church and faith and life Right? How you do that. And maybe you've encountered someone who had a bad experience in the church. It happens. Their understanding of God is not of love. It's of judgment. And how you share your story then depends on the information that they're giving you, the story that they're sharing you. And maybe gently through another door you can talk a little bit about a loving God. And how the church is meant to serve and love and support each other. And maybe, just maybe, you can give them a, a window or a lens into new life. Timing, your story is important. See, this is where discernment comes in. Discerning the next steps. You have to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, church. The Holy Spirit will whisper into your heart, into your mind, into your life how to share that with someone else. You have to be in tune or in step with the Holy Spirit as the scriptures say. Galatians chapter 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and desires, meaning all of our self things, we're putting it over to the side and we're going to let these fruits come to the surface. And then verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us if we step into the guidance and love, then he's going to speak to our hearts. He's going to show us. He's going to help us along the way. 
You know, as we look at that next part of research, people will come when you invite, right? If someone you knew invited you to the following activities sponsored by a local Christian church, how likely would you be to attend, it says. That's why we have the easy ask here. You've heard me talk about that. The easy ask. 47% of people would say yes, they would come to something that helps make their neighborhood safer. The Urban Forum on Tuesday night is we're talking about that. That's, a, that's what that's about. 43% that said that they would come and be a part of a service project. Serve Day is right around the corner in which we're going to serve the community and do those kinds of things. People will come. You see worships down, down, the, down the line, right? A lot of people are afraid to walk into a church for the first time in a worship service. They don't know how they'll be treated. They don't know what to expect. And so sometimes those first doors are the service opportunities or the softball game or the basketball court. There are ways in which people don't feel threatened. They know that they'll get to know other people. And these are opportunities for us to do that first step to develop friendships. To show them who God's love is is working through Christ's brothers and sisters. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. It takes intentional love. Because if we're in tune with the Spirit, the first fruit will come to the surface first. The first one is what? Love. Love the people. Love the people. Love the people. Love the people. Right? At every job description here at Salem, for every staff member, they have their vision statement connecting all people with God's extravagant love. Then they have their mission statement. Our mission statement stated there. We connect all people with one another and with God through worship, service, learning, and community. Do you hear that? With one another and with God because we know that people get to know God's love through who? Us, Right? Empowering each person to share the transformational love of Jesus Christ. Connecting people to people so people can connect people to God. Love the people. And then they have a, a list of our core values at Salem. And I think if you ask any staff member up here, they would tell you what the top core value on staff is. Mary, can you tell us? Love the people. Love the people the top core value love the people it's who we are it's how we respond develop discover discern Heibel says that if we share the dream to become radically loving outwardly focused grace giving people then we ought to be the first ones to expand our hearts and invite folks to come into the kingdom Love God. Love people. It's a gift that God has given us. This saving grace. We have to receive it. But the gift's not just for ourselves. It's a gift to share. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.